when we see these kinds of attacks happen to our community, there is this fear that goes to all of us. Am I next? Gripping testimony at a hearing for a bill to toughen Utah's hate crimes law. For the first time in years, it could have a fighting chance. Welcome back to 45 Days, KUER's weekly legislative recap. I'm Nicole Nixon. And I'm Julia Ritchie. It's day 25 of the 2019 general session. That means we're more than halfway through with only 20 days to go. And it's that time in the session where bills really feel like they're starting to pile up. Yes, and we know we can't get to all of them, but we want to tell you about a few major bills that got their first hearings this week in committees. So let's start with hate crimes, which you obviously did. This is a bill sponsored by Senator Daniel Thatcher that would enhance state penalties for a person accused of a crime targeting a group or person for things like their gender, race, ethnicity, religious affiliation, or sexual orientation. Right. And a few other provisions, too, that they added in this year. Uh, Thatcher has tried this bill for a few years with little success, but this year seems a little different. A lobbyist for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which had concerns over the LGBTQ protections, said it would not object to the bill in its current form this year. And this has been on a lot of people's minds recently because of this brutal attack on mm-hmm. two Hispanic men while they were working at their their auto shop last fall. Mm-hmm. Um, their alleged attacker was just charged with three federal hate crimes this week by our U.S. attorney, John Huber, but notably nothing under our current state laws. Right. And the bill sponsor, Senator Thatcher, mentioned that in the committee hearing this week. He said that he was disappointed that the Lopez family had to go to the feds to get hate crime charges. This was a pretty emotional hearing where you heard from LGBT groups, a mom of LGBT kids, a Jewish man talked about how he and his community were affected by the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting last year. Mm. And we also heard from Salt Lake County District Attorney Sim Gill. Uh, He's called for this bill for a long time, but for the first time, he got really personal about something he experienced as a person of color shortly after 9-11. And I was on 400 South and corner of State Street, having just finished a prosecution in my suit with my files. And as I went down going um, eastbound, a truck came around with three individuals and uh, yelled out to me, "Send go home or we'll effing kill you and your family, end quote. Now, at that moment, those were just words. That didn't do anything. They didn't stop and and, uh, assault me. But I know what I felt at that moment. And what I felt was that I felt fear for my family. I thought immediately of my uh, members in the Indian community or people who look like me. I thought about my children and my friends who were a little bit different and that they may be the targets. And that fear is genuine. So a question that comes up sometimes is why this bill is needed. And it's really what Gil mentioned at the end there and what we heard from Troy Williams of Equality Utah at the top of the show, that attacks like this really shake an entire community and can make them fearful and feel unwelcome. For sure. The, the bill got unanimous support from a Senate committee, which surprised Senator Thatcher. Mm-hmm. He was excited but says it still might face some opposition once it hits the full Senate floor. Yeah. Another widely anticipated bill came out this week to ban 
on conversion therapy. That is the discredited form of therapy that tries to change the sexuality of LGBTQ people. And we've known this bill has been in the works, right, Nicole, because Mm -hmm. it got a grand unveiling on Thursday with two Mormon Republican sponsors, Mm -hmm. Craig Hall and Dan McKay, who are quite different Republicans, Mm -hmm. really, when you think about it. Like Craig Hall's a little more moderate, Mm -hmm. Dan McKay a little bit more libertarian, conservative. Um, They had two young men who experienced conversion therapy talk about what they went through. Here's 19-year-old Nathan Daly in the basement of the Capitol. My friendships were stringed because of the therapy, and I felt extremely isolated from my peers. At one point, I tried to overdose on sleeping pills. I'm just thankful today that I wasn't successful. Kids just like me are not as lucky as I am, and it's not okay. Worth noting that another bill, this was an anti-LGBT proposal that would have blocked transgender Utahns from changing their sex on a birth certificate, is dead this year after the sponsor agreed to to pull it mm-hmm. from consideration. It sort of shows you how far the state has shifted on LGBTQ yeah, issues, totally. really since the Supreme Court struck down gay marriage bans in 2015. Yeah, even small portions of Utah's criminal code are being amended this year to reflect the state's progressing social views, I've noticed. Like lawmakers in the House have already approved a bill that would remove sodomy and adultery from Utah's criminal code. Who knew those were still there, right? <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> those laws were already unenforceable, though, after Supreme Court rulings, but it does send a message. Another loud message the legislature sent this week was on abortion. Um, A House committee has advanced Representative Cheryl Acton's bill that would ban abortions in the second trimester after 18 weeks of pregnancy. Yeah, you might remember this bill was originally going to ban abortions after 15 weeks. Acton said she upped the limit after talking with some of the bill's supporters who said it would be easier to defend in court at 18 weeks. And of course, the legality of this is what a lot of opponents are most geared up about. For sure. And and it's worth noting that Acton said and when she unveiled this bill is that she was encouraged by the rightward shift on yes. the Supreme Court with mm-hmm. Brett Kavanaugh's arrival. Um, and I found it interesting during that hearing that minority leader Brian King and some other uh, people who were against it, like the ACLU, pointed out that Utah has already tried this once before. It was a 20-week ban back in 1991. Um, litigated for years and eventually overturned by a federal court in Denver in like the late 90s. I did not know that. I didn't either. Um, The legislature's own lawyers estimate that Acton's bill could set the state back up to $2 million if it is challenged. And the Planned Parenthood of Utah says they will do just that if it does get through. And we saw just two moderate Republicans vote against this, which actually surprised me as well because the legislature is very conservative uh, and has a very conservative track record when it comes to reproductive issues. But Representative Brady Brammer of Highland was not one of those who voted against it. He was very much for it. And I think that New York and Virginia decided that, that the privacy right was much greater than the potentiality right. And they decided they could go that direction. And I don't see why we can't go the other direction in, in determining our own health, safety and morals. Governor Herbert has mentioned his opposition to recent expansion of abortion rights in Virginia and New York, too. And actually, so did President Trump in his State of the Union. So as Republicans look ahead to 2020, abortion appears to be one culture war that they are prepared to keep fighting. And the other Down syndrome abortion ban we've told you about has already passed the full House and could very well get through the Senate this year. Mm -hmm. And before we forget, we did a whole episode last week on gun bills and a few more got through 
through this week with mixed success. Basically, the bills supported by the NRA and the Utah Shooting Sports Council passed, and the others did not. Big surprise there. (laughs) Um, The bill that grabbed the most headlines could allow for gun owners to be held liable if they lend out their weapon and it ends up getting used in a felony crime. It's called Lauren's Law. Uh, And that's what happened to Lauren McCluskey at the Mm -hmm. University of Utah. Her attacker borrowed a gun from a friend and um, shot her and then himself. Yeah, and lawmakers seemed like they thought the bill right now is a little too black and white, so they held it. Um, But the sponsor, Democratic Representative Andrew Stoddard, says he wants to tweak some things and hopefully bring it back. So, Nicole, sometimes headlines generate real policy changes. We see this every year in the legislature. Mm -hmm. And we saw that happen with the hate crime spill, right, with the the Lopez family and the Mm -hmm. attack that happened on them. Um, But it can actually lead to real solutions when these things happen. I've been kind of curious about the McCluskey case, though, because that really hasn't happened as much. We've seen a few bills to address campus safety protocols and domestic violence issues. Uh, But again, nothing on guns, particularly. Right. And we did talk about this a bit last week, too. But I think when it comes to ideological divides on guns and even things like taxes is a big thing this year that they talked a lot about at the beginning, but we haven't really seen anything yet. And we're starting to wonder if it is going to happen after all. It can be really hard to change minds and actually pass policy changes. So hate crimes, abortion, Guns. It was a pretty heavy week on Capitol Hill, right, Nicole? Yeah, the culture wars are alive and well in Utah. But that's also what makes Utah politics so interesting. Yeah, and we forgot one of our favorite other cultural battles, booze. We'll head to the front lines of the latest skirmish involving the beer lobby when we return. Do, 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 do. KUER's Community Calendar is a resource where you can find hundreds of events happening across Utah. You can learn a new skill in workshops, experience art and performances offered across the state, scout family-friendly events and activities, and a whole lot more. You can also share your own events. Just fill out the form. It's all on our website, KUER.org. Just click Community Calendar under the Events tab. We are here with Kate Bradshaw. She's a lobbyist on the Hill and director for the Responsible Beer Choice Coalition. She's invited us to the Lobbyist Lounge, which is this secret subterranean palace beneath the Capitol. It's super nice. (laughs) Very different from our press room dungeon. (laughs) And we plan to do a segment called Root Beers with the Beer Lobby. However, there was no root beer to be found in the cafeteria. So we have Coke and Diet Coke and LaCroix. Kate, welcome to 45 Days. Thanks for having me. So tell us about the bill you're pushing this year and why you think it's needed. We are pushing uh, SB 132, and the bill would move Utah's uh, alcohol level for beer products sold in grocery and convenience stores from the 3.2 alcohol by weight level to the 4.8 alcohol by weight level. We are running this this bill um, because of changes in the marketplace. There used to be five states um, that had a 3.2 beer requirement for grocery and convenience store sales. Three of those states have phased out, and it's left Utah and Minnesota as these islands that have created these market pressures on on the beer supply that's available for grocery and convenience stores. And so we're running this bill to ask for a modest adjustment in the alcohol level 
so that we can kind of recapture the choice that's been lost. So Senator Jerry Stevenson is, is sponsoring this bill, and he pitched it to a Senate committee as a business bill, and they passed it unanimously. And then after that, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints came out against the bill. So what do you think that means for its chances going forward? So first of all, um, we weren't really surprised by the church's position. Given the tenets of their faith, mm-hmm. um, it never really was on the table mm-hmm. that we thought they would support the bill. Right. I mean, you know, there's probably um, a whole host of signs of the second coming if, if they support a bill like that. So not surprised. I don't think that the legislators that serve on the Business and Labor Committee were under any other any other impression that the church would oppose the bill. So you're saying um, it wasn't that influential of a factor. No, I mean, no, it always gets made into a, I think, a bigger headline. Exactly. Yeah. I think it gets made into something more than it is because I don't. I I honestly do not believe in any of the conversations I've had with legislators over the past many months on this issue that any of them in, ever labored under any impression that the LDS Church would take anything other than an opposed position. Mm-hmm. So going with 4-8 is very much um, because of the influence of the LDS Church. We have pitched going to the next lowest state, matching Kansas, mm-hmm. because of Because of most that. states are at 5, 5% yeah. or higher. Most states, if you look at the states that are capped, so there's only 18 states that even have a cap. Mm-hmm. Most states do not have a cap for their mm-hmm. grocery and convenience store beer sales. And of those states, um, 9.8 by weight is the average of the capped states. Oh, so wow. 4.8 is still below the average. But that, again, is partially why we've crafted this proposal to strike that reasonable um, space uh, where we're not asking for something that is a huge increase. We're asking for the most modest increase that we think solves our problem. What happens if the bill fails? So you'll continue to see this kind of shrinking of the market. Mm-hmm. You know, will 3-2 beer ever go completely away if this bill fails? No. But you'll see less choice. So, would you consider a ballot initiative if you can't advance a higher cap on? So, alcohol? I've, I found that the favorite two questions on this topic are: <laughs> people love ballot initiatives. Now, yes, though. they are. They are, or they you know, hate them. I don't know. I don't are you surprised by the, the LDS Church position? And you know, is a ballot initiative on the mm-hmm. table? Um, I think those are legislators' least favorite questions for me to answer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the reality is, entities and and. Um, and people always have this other kind of pressure relief valve. A ballot initiative is always the option when you can't get a redress of your grievance, you know, at your at your elected body. And so, um, it's not a card we're playing right now, but it might be one we think about on March 15th if if we're not successful on March 14th. We got a few more weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what is the trickiest part for you about defending a vice that not a lot of state lawmakers partake in? Uh, the biggest challenge really is having to do beer 101 with um, somebody who does, has never had a beer mm-hmm. isn't isn't going to be able to try it in their not even root class. beer apparently because <laughs> we couldn't even get it in the cafeteria. Yeah, so that's really kind of the challenge, and so we've we've had to then um, find examples that kind of make sense that are in the realm of kind of normal products people are used to dealing with. So we've talked a lot about it using soda examples. Mm-hmm. I've talked a lot about it using um, cookies and ice cream. Um, and <laughs> sugar. Sugar. The, the only vice that they've <laughs> yes. taken. Yeah, so we've had to talk about it in those in those terms, and I think we've that's helped. 
If you could wave a magic wand and have one thing change about Utah liquor laws, what would it be? Besides 4.8 beer? Yes. Okay, because obviously that is my <laughs> wish for right now. Um, I, um, I would like to have liquor stores that you can make a left turn into. <laughs> Mine is just like canned rosé in the grocery store. <laughs> just I support that too. Yeah. Well, so we're just putting that on your radar. FYI. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I will put that on for um, you know future efforts. 2030. You know, we were having... <laughs> in time for the Winter Olympics. We were having, you know, as, as much fun as we can have on on mm-hmm. 4.8 so we'll we'll just put that on on the back burner that rosé in cans and just wine and groceries and wine <laughs> that is, is <laughs> easier to access yeah kate bradshaw is a lobbyist and director of the responsible beer choice coalition thank you for joining us on 45 days and i guess we should say cheers cheers, cheers. i guess technically i'm you know i've got two i'm double fisting this you are double fisting <laughs> We should mention that some local brewers uh, actually oppose this bill. Um, They put out a statement that says that while they do want to see a higher beer limit eventually, um, they think that this bill, which would take effect July 1st if it does pass, would benefit big out-of-state breweries at their expense. So I think they just want a little more time before this goes through. Support for KUER comes from the local and national businesses around the state that underwrite our programming. Shows like Morning Edition, Radio West, and All Things Considered. If your business or organization cares about the in-depth local news and fascinating conversations you can only find on public radio, team up with KUER. To learn more about becoming an underwriter, look for the Support tab at KUER.org and click on Business Support. Okay, Nicole, pop quiz. Describe for me in your best radio adjectives the Utah State flag. Go. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be hard. It's There's a Navy background. Of course. I think there's a white circle to outline all of it. Mm-hmm. There's an eagle with its wings sort of half open and mm-hmm. like crouching. Very patriotic. It's holding arrows in one claw talon and i think maybe an olive branch in another there's like sago lilies on there somewhere and the word utah and maybe the word industry (laughs) that's really not bad like that's actually (laughs) quite good and you're surrounded by these flags like all day every day so there is some chatter this session about replacing the state flag and two competing bills aim to do that representative stephen handy who you'll remember from our last episode is introducing that red flag law uh, to confiscate weapons from dangerous people is running one bill that would create a commission to study the issue and make recommendations because we love task forces or and (laughs) yes exactly so handy says the current flag is um kind of unoriginal it has the beehive. It has two flags. It has six arrows that were representative of, of the Native Americans at statehood in 1896. But it's a seal, and so these vexologists have kind of coined a funny, a funny thing. They call these flags, and there's half the states probably have flags like this. They call it a seal on a bed sheet, sometimes referred to as an SOB. <laughs> And then there's another bill by Representative Kevin Stratton that proposes a specific design from one of his constituents, a man named Jonathan Martin. And you've probably seen pictures of this design out there on the Internet. Um, Here's Martin describing it. Blue, that carries over the blue of the old flag and also represents tradition, but it also represents the Great Salt Lake. Then also in the south, you have the red representing the Red Rocks of southern Utah. And in the north, you have the white representing the snow-capped mountains 
of Utah, of which Utah is famous for. So I was at this hearing where these two bills were heard. And I have to say, I never knew flags could stir such emotion in people. <laughs> yeah, Twitter's been filled with people weighing in on Martin's design, which some people like and some people don't. It's definitely cleaner, but some lawmakers were not a big fan, notably Representative Travis Segmiller of Southern Utah, who called it... Sterile and uninspiring and corporate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A big sticking point for people about that red, white, and blue flag proposal <laughs> is that it only had one date on it, which is 1847. And if you know anything about Utah and the Days of 47 Parade, that's the year that Mormon pioneers entered the Salt Lake Valley. And it was actually an LDS Republican lawmaker who raised the point that that might exclude everybody else who isn't Mormon, especially Native Americans who have been here a lot longer. Yeah, Utah's current flag has both 1847 and the year Utah actually became a state, 1896, on it. So some people suggested just having 1896 on Martin's design, and others said, why have numbers at all? This really gets to the issue, though, that it's going to be very hard to find a consensus flag, right, yeah, Nicole? Because it's something that, like, everyone has an opinion on. Right. So the committee tabled both bills, but Handy tells us that he hopes to bring his back soon. Uh, there were some concerns about the size of his commission that he proposed, so he's working on shrinking that. And Julia, there is so much interest in these damn flag proposals <laughs> that NPR asked you to do a story on it. So our listeners will have to watch for that. In the words of Representative Handy, humans love symbols. <laughs> I'm doing the shrug emoji right now. Like, I pretend not to care about the flag, but I guess I really do have some opinions on this. So send us your best Microsoft Paint or construction paper flag ideas to 45days at KUER.org. 45 Days is a production of KUER News. This episode was produced by Tim Slover with original music by David Whited. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter going out every Monday. To do that and to find more local news and legislation coverage, visit our website at KUER.org. And you can always find us on social media too. I'm at Julia Ritchie. That's R-I-T-C-H-E-Y. And I am at underscore Nixo. We'll see you next week.